0: Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The humble farmer, the backbone of the American way of life, They grow and harvest to provide not only for their own families, but ours as well. Everything from corn to potatoes to squash is cultivated across rural farmland from coast to coast. However, in 1849, something else was unearthed in a farmer's field. Something that didn't make sense. Something that didn't belong there. Workers in Vermont were digging up land to build the first railroad between Burlington and Rutland. During the dig one of the workers noticed something sticking up in the dirt. Bones. Quite a few of them, in fact. He didn't think much of them at the time, seeing as how horse skeletons had been spotted from time to time as they were pulling up the land. So they kept working, not caring too much about what happened to the former horse they just unearthed. A local resident, Mr. John G. Thorpe, had been passing by when he too saw the bones poking out from the dig site. There was something about them that struck him as odd, though. He certainly didn't think they were horse bones, so he convinced the man in charge of the railroad project to move his workers to another plot of land so he could collect and analyze the bones. Naturalist Zadok Thompson was brought in for his expertise in identifying what kind of animal the bones had once belonged to. Thompson was a prolific author of many animal and nature guides, despite serious limitations to his situation. No one else was working in his field and he had no access to specimens or books to further his studies. He was charting new territory for the scientific community, but that didn't stop him from studying the various flora and fauna in his native Vermont, including the skeleton Mr. Thorpe had rescued from the railroad workers. After some consideration and examination, Mr. Thompson identified it as having belonged to the ancient ancestor of the beluga whale, While there was no way to determine its sex, its skull and teeth indicated the 12-foot-long specimen had been a full-grown adult before its death. It was a fascinating discovery, but there were two questions the men shared, as did everyone else who came across the specimen. First, how did a beluga whale wind up in the middle of a farmer's field in Vermont, 150 miles from the closest shore? And second, how had it made its way so far down from the native Arctic waters of the north? such a creature had no business being so far from its home. Well, it took a while for technology and environmental studies to catch up, but scientists eventually learned that the Charlotte whale, named for the town where it was discovered, had been stuck in Vermont for a very long time. The bones had been preserved under 10 feet of blue clay sediment left over from the Champlain Sea, a temporary inlet that had formed when glaciers retreated at the end of the last glacial period. The sea had dried up thousands of years ago, leaving the whale, and presumably other creatures, in the middle of Vermont with no way out. Today, the Charlotte whale is the official state marine fossil of Vermont. And while it's certainly strange to find something as large as a dead whale so far from the ocean, it happens more than we realize. Discoveries like this teach us about how the Earth changes, how oceans shift over time, and even how those changes affect the migration of wildlife around the globe. The world around us is never constant. We may think we're fine, but if we sit still long enough, we might discover we've missed our window to get out. Just like the Charlotte whale. While America is a relatively young country, the history of the land upon which it sits extends as far back as the beginning of time itself. Cultures lived and died for thousands of years before we got here, and we can still see remnants of their existence if we look hard enough. Drawings on cave walls and artifacts left behind offer insight into how they lived and what they cared about. Shards of ornate pottery can tell us how a culture might have valued craftsmanship as much as they valued practicality. But what about the artifacts that defy explanation? The ones that cannot be explained, and in one case, shouldn't exist at all. Near a small town in Minnesota in 1898, a Swedish resident named Olaf Omen had recently purchased a plot of land needing some cleanup. The trees and old stumps had to be pulled out so he could start plowing. As he was working with his 10 year old son Edward at his side, he came across a poplar tree with something tangled in its roots. It was large and gray and heavy, a slab of rock weighing over 200 pounds. While unusual for something so large to be found at the base of a tree, Olaf didn't think much of it until his son mentioned the strange markings all over its sides and face. He had assumed they'd found an old Native American almanac, a record of past and future events as predicted by the local Native population from hundreds of years ago. Olaf had a copy of the inscription sent to several universities for analysis, and the results weren't what he'd expected. It spoke of a mixed group of Norwegians and Germans setting out on a journey from Vinland to America in 1362, 130 years before Columbus would set foot in the New World. According to the historians and linguistic experts at the time, the stone was a forgery, a fake The symbols weren't Native American but modern Scandinavian in origin, and while the stone itself was many centuries old, the tree that it had supposedly been buried beneath was only about 30 years old. Olaf later sold the stone to historian Jalmar Holland for $10 and walked away from his discovery. Holland, however, wanted the world to know about it. He believed in its authenticity and wrote an article that went about as viral as an article could get back in the 19th century. He took the Kensington runestone, named for the town it was found in, on a tour across Europe, struggling for 40 years to convince the smartest people in the world that what he possessed was a truly unique historical artifact. Unfortunately, historians and experts concurred that despite the stone itself being quite ancient, the language and the carvings found on it were no more than 100 years old. It didn't help that in 1976, an interview with the son of a man who had known Olaf Omen came to light wherein he confessed that Omen himself had carved the inscriptions. And that seemed to be the end of the story. The runestone had been nothing more than an elaborate hoax. To what end, no one knows. But in 1982, a professor at Cornell University named Robert Hall decided to take another crack at it. He re-examined the runes, eventually publishing a book on his findings. He took issue with how the Stone's critics had conducted their research, and claimed that the bizarre mix of ancient and modern Scandinavian could have been due to the Swedish language starting to change at the time. Two distinct groups from different regions in the world, traveling together for so long, might have resulted in the linguistic equivalent of cross-pollination. In addition, a letter written by Dutch cartographer Gerardus Mercator to the mathematician John D., referred to a man who had received word of eight men traveling to the Arctic Islands from Norway in the mid-1300s. Journeys from Scandinavia to North America at the time were apparently not unheard of. Today, the Kensington Runestone is the centerpiece of the aptly named Runestone Museum in Alexandria, Minnesota, and its influence extends far beyond its questionable origin story. The stone and its alleged Viking heritage have inspired the state's official football team, the Minnesota Vikings, as well as countless other buildings and businesses with similarly themed names. What began as a curious discovery in an empty field transformed an entire state's identity. The debate over the Kensington runestone continues to this day, but its authenticity might not even matter anymore. It's not the reality that people have latched onto, but the belief that in what it could be. Who we are, it seems, is never set in stone. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works.